It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Planes of Americans fleeing Afghanistan. General Milley, why hasn't he resigned? And much more on this edition. This is a podcast for everyone of all political, social, economic stripes. Never apologize for standing up for an LGDP, uh, LGT, LBG. It is getting tougher than ever to virtue signal in front of an audience, right? Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? Wait, 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 wait. Let's get you some help. LGBTQ2+. Uh... The Canadian Prime Minister survived his own call for a snap election, but more people than ever want to breathe free and fresh air without the stench of lockdown artists like Justin Trudeau. So big news this week. Speaking of clean air and being free of disease, the self-appointed climate czarina, Greta Thunberg, how dare you, was back this week at the climate summit in Italy to tell all the adults that they're full of K-pop on the issue of climate change. I think it went something like, blah, blah, blah. This is not about some expensive, politically correct, green act of bunny-hugging or blah, 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 build back better, blah, 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 green economy, blah, 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 net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 2050, blah, 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 net zero, blah, 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 climate neutral, blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 we're going to die, communicated Greta, unless and until we start eating, I don't know, Soylent Green and recycling Edward G. Robinson and all the other pant loads on the planet. She didn't actually say that, though. Hold on. This is basically what she said. Okay. Here it is. Blah, 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 you're idiots. Okay, blah, 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 you're all going to die. Blah, 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 how dare you? How dare you? Blah, 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 stop eating meat. Blah, 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 get out of your cars, take a sailboat. Yeah, I guess she didn't call Edward G. Robinson a big pant load. But she did say something like, you know, no electricity, no power, no cars. Uh, But all the rich people who go to Davos can use their private plane. So we have to keep our priorities straight. Okay, basically, that's what she was talking about, sort of. Reduce the global temperature by 1.5 degree and give poor nations of Africa and other nations billions of dollars so we can convince them not to use air conditioning or something. Blah, blah, blah. Turning to Afghanistan, you know what? Before I do that... I have to say that this whole blah, blah, blah thing, it's absolutely appropriate. And we've been saying this for 30 years. Yes, we have. That's why nobody believes the global warming crap anyway. I mean, that started out as a plan to do what COVID's doing right now, sort of come over people, tell them what to do, tell them that it's in the name of you're going to die. And it's, it's more effective as a disease. But it's the same political game. This is me. I'm not saying that there isn't climate change because, duh, there is climate change. It's just that this global warming, we're all going to die. Manhattan's going to be underwater. Martha's Vineyard's going to be underwater. We are going to experience, um, well, and every time we have a, a big storm, what happens? 
That's global warming. It's climate change. See, they changed it to climate change. So when they had their global warming summits in February in Washington, we wouldn't laugh at them when it snowed. So they had to change it. They sort of broaden it out a little bit. Uh, Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, climate change. Yeah, that's it. And so everything that happens in the weather is always akin to, quote unquote, climate change. And so they believe that they've won the the battle of the verb, the, the words, I should say, because you cannot make change unless you gain control of the language, which is what they've done here. And so Greta Thunberg has said, well, you know, guess what? Nothing's happened in 30 years. Uh, you guys just talk and jawbone and you get together in your private jets at Davos and all the other climate summits and everybody gets, you know, in their big old 5Gs or they get in there. Or G- Did I say 5G? Yeah. Well, that's another issue. And I don't want to talk about that right now. Uh, G5 and their 757s and all their other airplanes in order to go to these summits. And virtue signal and tell everybody we ought to do something about air conditioning as they sit in an air conditioned room somewhere or they go to places where they have air conditioning because it's 90 degrees humidity and it is 90 degrees outside and they want to be nice and cool, but they don't want Africa to have air conditioning because God knows you wouldn't want to have air conditioning at sub-Saharan Africa because that'll take up way too much way too much. We don't want you to become a first world nation because do you know how much energy it takes to become a first world nation, third world countries? Do you have any idea? It takes a lot of stuff, a lot of energy and a lot of fossil fuels. It takes a lot and we can't have you do that. So we're going to pay you not to do it. It's it's basically a welfare program for, for other countries that would, and, the, and what they're doing is they're asking them not to stoke feelings of liberty, free capitalism, markets, and that sort of thing with their people because, you know, you can't have that because you can't control that. So there is that. Yeah, it just brought a full circle, didn't I? Oh, speaking of poor countries, third world countries that are hell holes, how about that Afghanistan situation? Uh, now we have, as... Uh, Joe Biden left behind hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans, green card holders, as well as people with special visas who were promised a ticket out uh, at the collapse of Afghanistan. Well, there's 116 people sitting on a plane somewhere that had just busted out of Afghanistan. They apparently, they didn't tell details on how they negotiated getting these people out. This, this is a private group. That did this out of Florida, private group out of Florida, Florida, got these planes full of people, or maybe it's just one plane since it's only 116 people. But so it's a it's a charter, got them out and the United States would not let them in. This is from National Review, a group of more than 116 U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents and special visa people, I add, who escaped from Afghanistan on Tuesday are being held in custody. That means they can't leave. Gunpoint at the Abu Dhabi airport after American agencies denied their charter flights entry into the United States of America. You know, land of the free, home of the brave. Because the U.S. State Department did not help them to get out or something like that. And they are suspect and they're given the old side eye to these private groups that have been negotiating to get people out. And I think there's this group thinks they're the only plane 
that has been allowed out of the country with Americans on it since the collapse of Afghanistan and the control by the Taliban, or as they like to say, the Taliban. Now, I read that the group out of the of Kabul on Tuesday afternoon got clearance to leave from the Taliban, uh, said Brian Stern, a U.S. military veteran and a co-founder of Project Dynamo. He believes theirs is the first private rescue plane to leave Kabul since the American military left on August 31st. Now, this is interesting because I thought Glenn Beck's planes got out. Is that wrong? Hmm, interesting. The plan was to fly out of Kabul on an Airbus A320 jet to Abu Dhabi, the capital of the UAE, transfer the passengers to an Ethiopian Airlines charter flight, and then fly to John F. Kennedy International Airport. So they got they were going to get the charter in Abu Dhabi. I know it's Abu Dhabi. I don't care. So they negotiated with the Taliban. And we had all the flights set up, says uh, Bunner, Stan Bunner, a lawyer and another member of Project Dynamo. We understood we had clearance all the way through into the United States with permission to land. And then they yanked the rug out from under them. When the rescue flight got to Abu Dhabi, they learned that they no longer had permission to land in New York. Because of that, their plane second plane was still granted in Africa. So I guess they had two planes. They say a charter of our size and type cannot bring Americans to America from an international location. It doesn't make any sense, says Stan, or says uh, Stern, the initial person belonging to Project Dynamo. It doesn't make any sense. There were also concerns about measles, though Stern and Bunner said that the people being rescued have all been vaccinated for measles and COVID-19, which, which is, let's just be honest here, more than you can say for the droves, the entire wave of humanity coming over the southern border. So you see, there's this, at least they're, they're vaccinated. You guys all want your vaccinations. You want a mandatory and here they are. They're they're probably mandatory to come to the United States if you're flying or you have to prove that you're not sick and all that stuff. Not not so at the border, at southern border. So anyway, after their permission to fly to New York was denied, they received approval to fly to Dulles International Airport in D.C. And that got the Ethiopian Airlines plane off the ground and flying to Abu Dhabi. But then that permission was revoked as well. So this is just great. The State Department once again showing it's logistics prowess and evacuating people from unfriendly places, which is to say it is absolutely on brand because that's exactly what they just did in Afghanistan. Then what happens is they apply for Philadelphia and the response of uh, the plane gets for Philly is that the airplane with this manifest is banned from all U.S. ports of entry. Meanwhile, at the Abu Dhabi Dew Airport, this is the situation. So then they put everybody in an airplane hangar in a passenger terminal building. We're in custody. Surrounded by cops with guns. We cannot leave. We cannot do anything. We do not have our bags. No one here has showered in like four days. We are in a weird spot. We're in transit, but we can't actually leave. Yeah, sounds like the way they want the United States of America. Biden administration uh, doesn't let you leave, doesn't let you come, doesn't let you go. You got to be vaccinated. Uh, What a mess. Were those people wearing masks on the plane? 
No idea. And you know, frankly, I couldn't care less. But Stern was critical of the response from Customs and Border Protection. He says it's insane that a group of Americans coming out of a war zone is being denied entry into the United States. How dare you, CPB, that's or BP, the, the Customs and Border Protection, deny entry to Americans who are under threat and duress. Why should the government get in the way of getting Americans to safety? Now, there's an excellent question. They're doing everything they can to, you know, give the old big ole at the border. I don't think most of them want that to happen. But nevertheless, they've been ordered to essentially stand down and allow the United States to be invaded by who knows who coming over the border in the south. Have you seen these pictures? Ay, ay, ay. So, yeah. And the DHS chief in charge of both these items. That's amazing, isn't it? Hey, speaking of losers, we go to the Senate now on the House hearings, two of them this week, uh, where General Milley was in the hot seat and proceeded to explain to lawmakers that he couldn't say what his advice was to the president on Afghanistan, but he knows that the president didn't follow it. And then he threw Biden under the bus by saying that he, Milley, called for keeping 2,500 to 3,000 troops in Afghanistan to keep it from collapsing because he knew it would collapse. Now, there's something you didn't know. He knew it would collapse. That prompted a question from veteran and Senator Tom Cotton, and here it is. General Milley, I can only conclude that your advice about staying in Afghanistan was rejected. I'm shocked to learn that your advice wasn't sought until August 25th on staying past the August 31 deadline. I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned? That's a great question. And House member Matt Gates went after him the next day. And here's how that went for General Milley. You said yesterday that you weren't going to resign when senators asked you this question. And I believe that you guys probably won't resign. You seem to be very happy failing up over there. But if we didn't have a president that was so addled, you all would be fired. Because that is what you deserve. You have let down the people who wear the uniform in my district and all around this country. And you're far more interested in what your perception is and how people think about you in insider Washington books than you care about winning. Gentlemen's which this time group has is incapable of doing. Now, before we get to the answer to Tom Cotton's question, which uh, I wanted to make sure you heard, let's just stipulate that I have grown weary of these congressional made-for-TV moments. I just get tired of them. Uh, Eating chicken in Congress to comment on the estimation of the Attorney General's courage, like Steve Cohen, or questioning a subject, using a whiteboard to pretend you're brainy so you can use it as a merchandise sales thing. Uh, Yeah, Congresswoman doing that. To ask, now here's what she does. She brings out her whiteboard, Katie Porter does. She brings out her whiteboard to pretend she's brainy, And then she proceeds to ask questions that have already been asked multitudinous amounts of time at the same hearing. Just so she has her made-for-TV moments and her whiteboard of justice is allowed, as that's what she calls it, yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, is uh, proliferates and she sells merchandise based on that. But, you know, hey, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. So anyway, yes, I like to see the general squirm. Of course I do. But what I really want is the truth instead of some CYA answers, uh, which I think are beneath him and they're beneath us. So let's review. Now, Millie came to Congress and said, yep, I sure didn't recommend anyone being yanked out of Afghanistan 
less than 2,500 troops. Um, and I certainly didn't want that to happen within the days or the minutes or the hours that I was given to bring a, an opinion to the president. Now, basically, that's what Milley testified to. And if he knew that it was such a bad decision, he should have resigned, like James Mattis did when he could not carry out an order he deemed disastrous in the case of when President Trump wanted to get the troops out of Syria. And then guess what? He reconsidered it and backed down. Uh, but that's only after uh, that was after Mattis was gone. And then there was another side story to that where all the generals in place ignored the recommendations of Trump and then went around him. He called for a, a uh, reduction in forces, but he, he initially wanted all of them gone. But everybody knew that was a bad idea. But hey, it looks, uh, you know, so he backed down. So who's the autocrat now? Hmm, yeah. Anyway, so here's what Milley said to the questions about resigning. Milley, the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Who are the Joint Chiefs of Staff? The Joint Chiefs of Staff consist of the chairman, that's Milley, the vice chairman, which is General John Hyten of the United States Air Force, and all of the military services are covered. I mean, the Army, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, Chief of Naval Operations, I think I already said that, Coast Guard, and Space Force. They're all there. They are an advisory body to the President of the United States representing all military arms. They comprise every single military service. So Milley conveys that info to the President. He was actually, as Tom Cotton's question suggests, asked to weigh in on his decision mere, I mean, days, just days, a few days before August 31st yank out. And so he, he says he claims to have given his advice to the president. And Biden didn't listen or didn't recall, he said. Not one leader of the U.S. military's advisory board on Afghanistan had their advice listened to. Not one. The president did not listen to them. Now, Tom Cotton was, I think he was in Harvard Law on 9-11, and he dropped out of school, become a grunt in the U.S. Army, where he eventually spent a lot of time leading men and women and jumping out of a lot of planes. Listen to his question again. General Milley, I can only conclude that your advice about Staying in Afghanistan was rejected. I'm shocked to learn that your advice wasn't sought until August 25th on staying past the August 31 deadline. I, I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned? And listen to what Milley said. Listen carefully to his crafted answer and whose reputations he invoked for his own CYA moment. It would be an incredible act of political defiance for a commissioned officer to just resign because my advice is not taken. This country doesn't want generals figuring out what orders we are going to accept and do or not. That's not our job. The principle of civilian control of the military is absolute. It's critical to this republic. In addition to that, just from a personal standpoint, you know, my, my dad didn't get a choice to resign at Iwo Jima 
And those kids that are at Abbey Gate, they don't get a choice to resign. And I'm not going to turn my back on them. Uh, I'm not going to resign. They can't resign, so I'm not going to resign. There's no way. We're very glad his dad and others, like an old friend of mine, stood their ground at Iwo Jima in the seminal battle, a seminal battle in the Pacific Theater in World War II. That was back when we won wars. Uh, You might be able to read about that in history books. But Milley said he knew Afghanistan would devolve into chaos and terrorism. So what is he what did he do? By not taking a stand, by not taking off his I don't know, he's probably got a special ribbon for the Joint Chiefs chairmanship. By not taking a stand, he supported Biden's decision to lose the war. Right? Nobody at Iwo Jima would respect that decision. You're, you're choosing to lose a war. You're choosing to give back a country that you went to war over because of the Taliban leadership and giving cover, sucker, and help to al-Qaeda and then giving it back to them and losing the war. You think anybody at Iwo Jima would think that was respect-inducing? Nobody at Way City would respect that decision. Nobody in Fallujah or anyone who took part in Operation Red Wings would understand Millie not falling on his sword for the right decision. No one. That wasn't a commendable thing. That was a disgusting thing. You know, Kurt Schlichter in last week's episode of the Adult in the Room podcast had talked about how there's always somebody to replace a soldier. They're not, they're not people who are indispensable. There are no indispensable men in the military or women. There's always someone to take their place. Millie could have left and there would have been some CYA actor willing to take his place. You bet. But Millie just covered his ass and then invoked others' valor to support his cowardice. And it reminded me of one of my favorite scenes uh, out of the movie Animal House that I invoke often, but using other people's feathers to feather your own nest. I put it to you, Greg. Isn't this an indictment of our entire American society? Well, you can do what you want to us, but we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. Gentlemen! You're not walking out on this one, mister. You're finished. No more Delta. You bought it this time, Buster. I'm calling your national office. I'm going to revoke your charter! wise guys try one more thing one more i'm gonna kick you out of this college great job general milley you know the only person who's actually been held accountable for anything having to do with afghanistan is lieutenant colonel Stuart scheller jr who was relieved of his command expecting to be booted out he's going to lose his pension in all likelihood and he is sitting in a jail cell right now because he kept speaking when the folks at Camp Lejeune told him to pipe down, but he didn't. I'm not saying that that's something that we ought to respect in terms of breaking the rules, but I will say he was the only one willing to do it, and he had 
everything to lose. Where's Kaepernick? You know, remember that ad campaign Nike did when you have everything to lose and you stand up? He'd already lost it. Here's a guy who hadn't and held a very big job as a lieutenant colonel, and he lost it. And he's a father of three boys, and his pension's not coming, probably. Now, as a result of the bad decisions by Millie and Biden and all those guys, the Taliban flag is flying. The girls are becoming nine-year-old wives again. Uh, ever more chai boys are being conscripted for adult male sexual perversions. If you want to know more about that, go back a couple of weeks when I talked to our good buddy, our man in Fallujah, about that, Mike Rosen. And Al-Qaeda is now reconstituting and is ascendant. So, you know, because I don't want to leave everything off on a sour note, even though it is, I guess we got to dust off this one from back in the early days early 2000s, when was this, 2005, 2006, something like that, of uh, the Victoria Taft Show. Don't be offended. Brian LaMartina, the best political bitman in the business, did this one, and it is absolute gold. Uh, check it out. Here's Al-Qaeda auditioning for new terrorists. Tired of the same old, same old at the office? Oh, yes, very much so. Unfulfilled in a soulless, antiseptic cubicle? where what passes for office relations is an inter-office email. Well, buck up, grab your C4 and a fanny pack, and come on to where the action is, Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is currently looking to fill temporary positions in the exciting jihad department. With Al-Qaeda, your career opportunities will explode with possibilities. Applicants must be able to operate explosives at least once. Benefits include free one-way travel. For anywhere in the world. Dental. With a free set of film for the family. Mental. Including free mind-numbing drugs. As well as night vision care. Oh, and don't forget, compensation is based on experience. Al-Qaeda is always recruiting. Fridays are bring a friend day. Oh, yes, that is very fun. Send your resume to www.boom.com. Al-Qaeda is an equal opportunity employer. As long as your name is Mohammed and you're not a woman, or gay, or white, or American. Did I mention a woman? What's old is new again. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple Podcast app every time you listen. And give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs. And it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed. <laughs>